We're going to continue our series today called Finding Christ in Crisis. And the title of today's lesson in this series is When the Impossible Happens. Now we're going to pick up in Matthew 14 where Stephen Aguaya was teaching last week on Jesus feeding the 5,000. And that was a, a remarkable and amazing story. But then the story that happens right after that is also remarkable and amazing. In fact, Jesus does something that's quite frankly, impossible. But I think it's important that we study these things out because as we study them out, if we look deeper into them, we can find lessons that you and I can use in our lives today, things that we can do, things that we can understand, uh, ideas that we can hold on to that will help us as we are finding Christ in our crises today. So let's uh, look at the text here, Matthew chapter 14. Uh, Beginning in verse 22, it reads, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. I think that uh, if you and I were in the boat with these guys, we would come to the same conclusion. And that is, Jesus, uh, truly you are the Son of God. Uh, This is an amazing story about Jesus doing something impossible. And I think it's important that you and I uh, take a look at this, especially in the context of trying to find Christ in our crisis, because uh, there's a lot of things that we can learn. There's a lot of lessons here, actually. And uh, I'm going to give us three things that I think can be helpful for us as we are looking to connect with God, connect with Christ when things are difficult. The first thing that I think is important for you and I to remember that we can learn from this lesson is this. You won't be neglected. You won't be neglected. This story is a tough scenario. I mean, Jesus is followers, his apostles, his closest friends are in a boat in the middle of a lake in the middle of the night. There's wind, there's waves. And so there's a lot of challenges that are going on with them in the boat. Then, of course, you got Jesus who is up on a mountain coming down from praying and spending time with God, gets to the shore and wants to obviously go connect and be with his friends, but he can't. Luke's version of this tells us that there was only one boat And it was the boat that the guys were on out in the middle of the lake. And also tells us, Luke says, that uh, 
that they had gone about three or three and a half miles out. And so Jesus not only didn't have a boat, but now after walking up a mountain and then walking down a mountain, he's now at the shore and now he's got to walk another 5K in order to get to the guys that he wants to be with. And the beauty of this story is that he does it. The beauty of the story is that the challenges and the problems that are present here don't stop Jesus from connecting and getting to his people. And so that, I think, is an important lesson for us to remember, is this. In the midst of our crisis, you won't be neglected. You know, Jesus ran into problems as he was trying to get to these guys, and he came up with an outrageous solution. I mean, he came up with a solution that nobody would have thought of. You know, nobody was sitting there on the boat going, you know, well, I guess Jesus could just walk on top of water. Like, they hadn't seen that before. That hadn't happened. And so that was not in anybody's minds. And Jesus came up with this crazy solution. Oh, I got a problem? You know what? I'll just walk out there. You know, and and sometimes, that's a whole lesson in and of itself, because sometimes God's solutions for our problems are a bit crazy. Sometimes, like with these guys, when we see God's solution, it terrifies us. But the point is, is that the problems didn't stop Jesus. Jesus came up with a solution that nobody would have thought of and was able to get to the people that he wanted to be with. In the midst of our crisis, I think it's important for us to remember that you won't be neglected. And that's important for us to understand simply because, if you're like me, in the midst of my problems, that's one of the first things that I think. I think, God, where are you? I've got problems. Why aren't you taking care of me? I'm starting to feel neglected. You know, I just um, finished reading the entire book of Psalms. Uh, I just finished it actually just the other day. I started last year and I read a little bit of the Psalms every day. At first I was kind of rushing through it and I thought, why Why am I rushing through? What's the, what's the race here? Why don't I take my time and really go through and sometimes I'd read a chapter a day, sometimes I'd read part of a chapter. But every day I read a little bit of the Psalms just trying to absorb it and understand it and connect with God through the Psalms. And one of the themes that I saw in the Psalms uh, was this theme of the writers regularly communicating their feeling of neglect by God. That they, they, uh, they would often say things like, God, where are you? You know, my, my troubles are great. I feel like I'm dying. Where are you? Why won't you listen? Won't you respond? Are you there? And so I, I, as I saw this theme, you know, I was actually very encouraged to see that for two reasons. One, because I can relate to it. I mean, there's many times in my life when things are tough and I feel like, God, where are you? What's going on? Where's the solution? But I was also really encouraged by this theme because I, I love that God allowed it to be in the Bible. You know, this is his book that he wrote about him. And he allowed people in the Bible to express their feelings of neglect. And so that actually gave me comfort that, that God is in a way saying it's okay. I know you feel, I, rec- I, give, I, I affirm the fact that you know that. I, I recognize that you will feel that at times. And it's true. If you're a Christian for any period of time, there will be moments when you wonder, God, where are you in the midst of this? But another big theme in the book of the Psalms is that God does come through in the end. That it may not be in the time frame that you want. 
It may not be on the schedule that you want. It may not be in the exact way you want. And it may be some solution like walking on the water that you never would have thought of. But God does come through for us in the end. And so that's why I think it's an important lesson for us to understand from this passage is that you won't be neglected. God will overcome the problems. He has a solution, maybe a solution that you've never even thought of, but he can and will overcome. It may be on his time schedule. It may not be on your time schedule, but he will overcome because you won't be neglected. This is important for us to remember so that we don't lose heart, so that we don't get discouraged, so that we don't want to quit, so that we stay focused on God and and turn our hearts to him and reach out and find him, find Christ in the midst of our crises. You won't be neglected. Here's another one. Substitutes are not accepted. You won't be neglected and substitutes are not accepted. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, let's take a look at the story again. In this story that we just read, two people walked on water. One of them succeeded and one of them failed. Of course, Jesus was the one who succeeded. He walked on water all the way from the mountain, from the shore of the, of the, where the mountain was, out to the boat and into the boat. No problems. Peter walked on water for a few moments and then sank. So two people did it. One person uh, failed. One person succeeded. What's the difference? What was the difference between the two of them? Well, I think if you look a little deeper in there, you'll see the difference. The difference is, what was it that they were connected to? What was it that they were focused on? On one hand, you got Jesus, who just came from an all-night prayer time with God. So he'd gone up on a mountain, connected with God, clearly was feeling, you know, pretty connected to God because the first obstacle he ran into wasn't even an obstacle. No boat, no problem. Boom. And he just walks right out to the guys, right? So that's Jesus clearly connected to God. Then you got Peter, on the other hand, who at first, when he sees Jesus, he talks to Jesus. Jesus calls him out. He steps out on the water and he starts walking towards Jesus. So the implication there is that he definitely is focused on Jesus. But the implication is also at some point in there, he loses focus on Jesus because he starts to see the winds and the waves and he becomes afraid. And it's at that moment that he substitutes his pure focus on God that was driving this miracle. He substituted it for something else. In this case, problems and fear. And he immediately begins to sink. The point is this. Substitutes are not okay. Substitutes are not accepted. In the midst of our crises, we have to keep our minds and our hearts and our attention focused on what is godly, what is right. There's many distractions out there. There's many winds and there's many waves, many things to create fear in us. And if we get our minds on those, we are sure to sink. But if we turn our minds and our hearts on God, we can find ourselves doing some impossible things through the power of God. Let me just give you a, a practical here, okay? You need to read the Bible every day. How's that? 
You need to read the Bible every day. It can be a lot of the Bible. It can be a little bit of the Bible. You choose. But the point is you need to read the Bible daily because when you and I are opening the scriptures and reading the Bible, in that moment we are shifting our focus off all the substitutes out there. We are changing our focus from all those winds and waves. And for that moment, we are looking at God in his glory and his splendor through his word. And so that's why I say to you today, you and I need to be people without fail who read the Bible on our own, by ourselves, every single day. Phil, you say, that sounds a little legalistic. Well, let me ask you this. When you eat every day, do you feel like you're being legalistic? If you're like me, probably not. I eat every day. Honestly, I eat a couple times, multiple times a day. In fact, now that I've been stuck at home and I got food easily available, I'm probably eating way more times than I should. And I not once have thought, ah, I'm just being legalistic about eating every day. No, I eat every day because I'm hungry. And the truth is, you have a spiritual hunger inside of you. Whether you realize it or not, the Bible teaches in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 that God has placed eternity into our hearts. There's a spot in your heart, a hole in your heart that only God can fill. And you don't want to fill it with substitutes. Substitutes are not accepted. You know, I was grocery shopping uh, the other day online. And you know, you go online and if you've ever done this before, which I'm sure you have, you buy things online and then uh, you pay for it online and then eventually somebody shows up and delivers your groceries, right? And I was doing this and uh, sometimes, as you know, if you've done this, they just run out of stuff. And so they will offer substitutions. And this particular time, we wanted to buy uh, uh, canned tomatoes. And the substitution they sent for our approval was dog food. And yeah, dog food, right? And I, I'm like, what? what? What do you, I mean, now granted, it was fancy dog food, all right? But there, there, there was no way that I was going to accept that substitution, right? There was no point in that process where I thought, hey, maybe the secret to making homemade chili is a good can of fancy dog food. No, I never thought that. That never went through my mind. Why? Because we don't want those substitutes. We want the real thing. And the same is true in our walk with God. You and me, we got to turn our hearts and turn our minds, like we're learning in this story, to Jesus, to what will allow us to have strength in the midst of our crises. The last one, we've got to understand that faith is always expected. You won't be neglected. Substitutes are not accepted. And faith is always expected. You know, and I, I, I said earlier, Peter failed. And he did. But he did walk on water. I, I've never walked on water. So, hey, he, that's, that's still pretty good. But as he began to sink, he, of course, instinctively cried out to Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus reached down and caught him. And Jesus caught him as he was sinking. And Jesus said to him, wow, great job, bro. Man, uh, hey, at least you walked on water for a little while. Nice job, man. Is that what Jesus said? No. What Jesus said to him was, you of little faith, why 
did you doubt? Man, sometimes I, I wrestle with that because I'm like, God, you know, you're Jesus and I know you're right and I'm wrong, but come on, cut the guy a little slack. I mean, he did walk on water a little. The rest of the guys were just sitting in the boat. I mean, he at least tried. But for Jesus, there it was not okay to have a lack of faith, even in the most trying circumstances. In fact, one of the things that you see about the life of Jesus as you study him out is that Jesus was incredibly compassionate. He was compassionate to people who had physical issues, people who had mental issues, social issues, uh, spiritual issues. He was very compassionate to people. But one thing that he did not tolerate, he never tolerated a lack of faith in people who called themselves believers. He didn't. It was never okay. He never said, oh, wow, yeah, things are tough. It's okay. You can be faithless here. No. What he taught was when things are tough, that's exactly when you need to be faithful. You need to be strong and you need to be focused on him. And so one of the things we learn from this is that faith is always expected. Faith doesn't mean that you know all the answers. Faith just means you know who has all the answers. That's a huge difference. You know, you watch the news, you read articles, everyone is speculating, how is this going to end? What is life going to be, be like after this is all over? How are we going to exit out of this pandemic and all of this quarantine? I don't know. People have a lot of ideas, a lot of speculation. I don't know. God knows. And that is enough for me. I'm okay with that. God, I, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know you know. So I'm going to put my faith in you and I'm going to trust in you and your work. There's a great verse in uh, Romans 12, verse 12. It just simply says to us, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. And we're in, in affliction right now. Be patient and be faithful in prayer. This is what we're called to be. This is who we need to be. This is what God wants us to be. I, I'm thankful that the ultimate example of all of this was Jesus. That though I preach about it, though we talk about it, though we call ourselves to be more like Jesus, we still fail. We still fall short. But Jesus never fell short. Jesus never failed. And for that, I am deeply grateful because we rely on him and his strength. At this time, uh, we are going to, as Jesus told us to do in Matthew 26, we're going to take some bread, some fruit of the vine, and we're going to do these to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. He was perfect. He did it right. And it's because of his perfection that we get a shot at going to heaven. And I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for who he is. And so I want to encourage you as you eat, as you drink, uh, the cup and the bread, I want to encourage you at this time to set aside the storms, set aside the fears. They'll, they'll be there when you come back. Don't worry. They're not going anywhere. But just for a, a few moments, set those things aside and do, let's do what Jesus said. Let's remember and reflect on this great sacrifice that he has made for us. Let's say a prayer and then we'll take communion together. God in heaven, we thank you so much for how great Jesus is. We thank you that he loves us that he cares for us, and God, that he sacrificed for us. We thank you that it is not through our perfection that we are saved, but it's through his perfection, through your love, through him. Pray that as we 
take this communion. I pray, God, that our hearts will always be moved by the depth of your love. We love you, and we are so grateful and thankful for you. In Jesus' name, amen.